Blog Talk Radio. debate, just, you know, all sorts of great conversations about the wonderful world of pop life, pop culture, and we hit all aspects of pop culture, and you're going to want to, you know, if, if you're tuning in right now, go grab your friends, call them, post it on Facebook, get them involved, because we got a, a potpourri, a whole a whole bunch of, of different topics, we're hitting movies, TV, sports, comic books, today's show, we're just going to be all over the place. And we want to hear from you. 347-838-9815 is the number to call. Check us out on Facebook. TKRS, TKRS Presents Pop Life is our Facebook page. You want to go over there, get involved in the conversation. we got a show chat going on right now, and we are set to get the conversation underway. As always, Todd is in studio this evening. Todd, how are you doing this evening? Oh, I'm doing great this fine evening, Ken. And, uh, you know, it's, Ken said it, it. Get your friends. There's got to be something we discuss that is of interest to you and anybody else because we've got so much to talk about. Uh, well, I'm, I'm grateful, first of all, that my voice is with me. It's one of, the, one of those nights, again, where my drive into the studio, the, the songs on the radio were just killer High range, gotta sing songs, <laughs> and uh, you know, flipping a couple of stations, and I hit YouTube, Bon Jovi, and Journey, and so I'm glad I can still uh, speak. You know, my my radio voice is with me. Um, you know, it's it's been a a long week with the kids. Uh, it's been a video game week, Ken. Uh, video game. What what games have you you you've been you've been playing this week? I barely played the games my role was video game dad this week um my kids have been looking forward to a bunch of games that are coming out and two of them within a couple of days of each other i was online at midnight at gamestop friday midnight for super smash bros melee no not melee it's the new one super smash bros universe see again it's not my thing i've tried them all that i mentioned uh you know during our Last show, I thought that Super Smash Bros. is one of the best fighting games of all time, if not the best. It's, you know, a new one, tremendous. It's just I love the fact that you can get in there and fight as Mario versus Donkey Kong, uh, Bowser versus Pac-Man. <laughs> They've got Sonic the Hedgehog and uh, Mega Man, a Little Mac from Mike Tyson's Punch-Out has joined the battle. So that was the uh, midnight Friday. And then 8 a.m. Sunday, we were back at the stores to pick up Skylanders um, Trap Team. 
and this. Are you familiar with Skylanders at all, Ken? I am not. Jeez. The gamers out there, you know, or the non-gamers know games like Madden or Halo or Guitar Hero. This is one that if you know it, if your kids like it, you're out a lot of money. My kids have been saving up, but, geez, this thing is just incredible because you buy a game, and it comes with a portal, and you, if you want to play as a character, you buy the action figure, put it on the portal, you can play as that character. And they come out with dozens and dozens for every game. This new one is great because you capture a villain, he, you put him in a trap, which is on this portal, all of a sudden he's talking out of the trap, you get his little voice, let me out of here. <laughs> um, but again, it, you just buy the traps and you buy the, the figures and you play as them and you trap them. It's just, they've spent so many hundreds of dollars on, on these games. And if you want to talk about a best of something, the best idea for making money on a video game is right there, Skylanders. So I'm going to throw that into our, uh, into our best of conversation right there. i got to get a little bit more well-versed in the video games. I'm still, uh, I still like my Space Invaders. <laughs> still like my, my Pac-Man. Still like... I, I, you know, as far as new games go, I do really dig Fruit Ninja. Yeah, you've mentioned Fruit Ninja. I'm now, a big fan of the Fruit Ninja. Now imagine if you could play Fruit Ninja. You own your own finger, but you have to go buy the pineapples and the bananas and the apples and put them on your game. That's Skylanders. Whoa. You want to bust up a fruit, you've got to buy it. Whoa. That's that's it. Skylanders. Mind blown. <laughs> well, as you know, last and I really had a good time. Our last show, we, we talked about... Uh, Best ofs, and and we hit like you know all sorts of categories. And you're, I mean, we hit all sorts of categories, and and you have all sorts of like subcategories and right. subcategories to the subcategories. So there's no telling how long that show. It's almost like one of those TV shows. Like we're we're kind of like the blacklist of 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 radio shows. Like we have like we you can kind of stand alone and listen to a. Uh, each episode, and it's episodic in that way, but there's still like a running theme. So we're gonna hit, um, you know, running storyline. We're gonna hit some of the bests uh, probably a little bit later on. But as we went through the bests, and we hit bests in movies and actors, and um, you know, we hit some sports, and we talked a lot about bests in different sports. And one name that did not come up at all in our best ofs conversation was one Derek Jeter. And, you know, this is a pop culture TV show. A TV, we're all of a sudden, we're a TV show. Yeah, we're a pop culture radio show. And, look, sports is, is part of pop culture. We're not, you know, mutually exclusive. And, obviously, you could not go anywhere over the past few months without knowing. I mean, Jesus, you could walk down the street and you'd trip over a Derek Jeter tribute. And, you know, it was one of those things where living in New York, uh, in this area, it, it just became one of those things where Derek Jeter was elevated to this immortal status. And then there was, there was outrage when Keith Oberman came out and did a dissertation actually quoting stats, God forbid, because, you know, Jeter leads all Major League Baseballs and in, baseball players in intangibles. Yeah. And that, that's, that's his, his claim to fame. And, you know, it's one of those things where I do think that to a certain extent, uh, a lot of fans, especially Yankee fans, did Jeter a, a bit of a disservice. Good ball player. Maybe a great ball player. He's not an immortal. He's not an all-time great. He's, you know, a guy that when I look at him and, and you know, I only started to, to kind of have a, a distaste for him, I guess. And I think that's a strong word. But, 
in talking to other Yankee fans. Someone tried to prove to me that Derek Jeter was a top 10 baseball player of all time. And all of a sudden, I'm in the bar, and everyone's like, you're a Jeter hater. And I'm like, no, I'm not a Jeter hater. It's just you're a realist. He, he's not a top 10 baseball player of all time. You know, in, in the top 10 top hit career hit guys, there's three guys in that, in that list in the top 10 who, ne- who never won an MVP, Jeter being one of them. Honus Wagner's another one, and there was no MVP when Honus Wagner was playing. And Paul Molitor was the other guy. Derek Jeter is in the top ten all-time hits. He has 3,000 hits, which is one of those magic numbers. There's no doubt that this guy is a Hall of Famer. And he was great. But there's a difference between great and all-time. And he was a great player. He was a cornerstone of a constant playoff team. But he was never the best player on the Yankees. Any year he played, he was not the best player. People say he's one of the best shortstops of all time, one of the best Yankees of all time, and Ken and I have talked about this way before Olbermann came out and you know, gave his dissertation. We've talked about it because it's constantly coming up, and it's, it's one of those things, like you said, sports is pop culture, and this just transcends sports at this point. The commercials that have aired nationally from you know, the Gatorade and the respect with the two and the SO, that's you know, such the coolest thing. I respect the number two. Look, I respect Derek Jeter. I do. And he was a great role model, and he, you know, did uh, lead the team well, but he is not one of the top ten Yankees of all time. And I'm a Mets fan, but I root for the Yankees. I follow the Yankees forever. Who can't? Who doesn't know the Yankees? But you can list the Yankees that are better than him. And he played with somebody who was better than him all time. You know, he was one of those four. You had the, the Pettit and Bernie Williams, Mariano and Jeter. Mariano and Jeter lasted the longest. And Mariano Rivera is by far, for his position, a better ball player than Derek Jeter. He was the best, if not one of the top three, the best closer of all time. Jeter is not the best shortstop of all time, and he's certainly not one of the top ten Yankees of all time. Yeah, it just, you know, and it's funny. I mean, I think that Jeter and his legend benefits a lot from steroids, having never been tied to. I mean, right. let's, let's just, like, magically say that PEDs and steroids and HGH never happened in baseball. And all the stats are put out over by other players over the era that Jeter played. Actually, well, they count, but people actually took him seriously. I mean, Jeter would barely be a footnote of this era. You know, right now, as far as Major League ballplayers that are ranked in all time, you don't even rank Barry Bonds anymore. You don't even rank Roger Clemens anymore. Those names are thrown out because of their tie to PEDs. Because Alex Rodriguez is a better shortstop than Derek Jeter, if you want to count guys like that. I certainly don't want to do that. But, yeah, the PED thing... You know, it puts him in another class because he's never been tied to it. His teammates have been, and you know, Andy Pettit, who people love, kind of forget that he was tied to it. So, yeah, I agree that definitely had an impact. So, I mean, the interesting thing that I find about Derek Jeter, and again, it's the biggest problem with with his legacy. If you're not, you know, if you're not looking at Derek Jeter with blinders on, and if you are looking at Derek Jeter with blinders on, by all means, give us a call three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five. Let's get into it. But when I look at Derek Jeter, I, and it was because I started looking through stats and looking at ball players, and I, I started with the the top ten hits. And again, a great ball player, he's he's in the top ten uh, of hits all time. I mean that that's impressive. 
But well, he reminded me most of a Paul Molitor. Paul Molitor, real good ball player, a great ball player, a real good hitter. But when I compared their stats, you know, Molitor, 306 batting average, Jeter, 310. Hits for Molitor, 3,319. Hits for Jeter, 3,465. Home runs for Molitor, 234. Home runs for Jeter, 260. Very similar. If you take a Paul Molitor and put him in a New York Yankees stacked lineup, like Jeter played most of his career, you could make the case that Molitor's numbers could have increased and could have been damn near close to what Jeter put up. Molitor played for, for 21 years, Jeter for 20. That's it, Ken. That's it right there. When you play for 20 years, on are you really the best team for those 20 years? And you hit at the top of the lineup, and you stay healthy for the most part for 20 years. It's easy to – not easy. It's easy to raise your statistical numbers. You, you're talking about what I call counting stats, hits and home runs and runs and doubles. You can compile those things, and people love to talk about his playoff records and his World Series records or lack of World Series records. Somebody said to me he has all these World Series records, and in reality, he doesn't. And I love the fact that the only category he comes in second in in all-time World Series records is strikeouts. Uh, And as far as... Yeah. Take that, Gino. Yeah. And as far as playoff (laughs) records go, he has a lot of playoff records. Because he's played in the most playoff games. He leads all-time Major League Baseball in playoff plate appearances and at-bats. And so, therefore, yeah, he's going to lead in things like hits. But that's because he played more than anybody else. In any given season, you know, he led the league in plate appearances five times. He only led it in hits twice, in runs once, and nothing else ever. He never had that great season. He was never an MVP he never was the best shortstop in any given season, arguably. He certainly was not the best Yankee in any given season. And for all the things, all the intangibles, do you think there are any great ball players that weren't hustlers and leaders and did well in the clutch? Yeah, it's great that Jeter did those things. But, geez, all-time great? No, all-time Yankee, we all know the top ones. If you do the research, there's plenty of others that were more important to their team winning, put up better stats. I mean, come on. You, you just can't call Jeter one of the greats. I, I agree with you. I mean, even like it, it's funny now, you know, and again, living in this area, you kind of go through like some revisionist history. You know, when you look back, I mean, Jeter came up in 96. 95. 95. Which is an important year. Why? Because they lost in the playoffs. Uh, true. To Seattle. They lost. Uh, yeah, they started their World Series, you know, winning in 96. But the reason 95 is so important, that is the exact year that they expanded the playoffs to three rounds. Wild cards came into play, and all of a sudden you have a guy coming up when there are more rounds of playoffs, and he's in the playoffs every year. His first, you know, number of years he's in the World Series every year because of the talent around him. How can you not compile great playoff counting stats when you're in it every year? If you look at those top players in playoff stats, you have guys who are on the Yankees, Braves, and Red Sox. You know, you got your Chipper Jones, and you got your David Ortiz, and you got your Bernie Williams. Guys played all the time. So, I mean, that's why that's that 95 thing, you know. Well, it strikes me, again, where it's like the revisionist history and the, the, the almighty intangibles when it comes to Jeter, that he, he becomes, like, and you said it, you know, great leader. He gets this moniker of great leader. 
Now, when, when the you're, I mean, anyone out there, you're, you're going to tell me right now, Jeter comes up in 95, and, and 96, he's leading that team? He's the leader. No, it definitely wasn't Paul O'Neill. Paul O'Neill definitely was not a leader on that team. Little Derek Jeter, as he comes up from the minors, he's the guy that took charge of everyone. When I look back at that Yankee, that Yankee team, that era, 96, and then 98, 99, 2000, I have a hard time believing maybe he evolved into a leader over the, you know, the latter half of that run. Right. But I can't look at that team and say, oh, Jeter was, was the, the leader. You know, he was the, the, the guy, the, the, uh, the person who lit the fire on that. To me, I look at that team, it was Paul O'Neill, and there were other veterans, Tino Martinez, uh, Scott Brocious. Those are the guys that I look at. When I look at those teams – were more of, of, of probably the leader types. I think they, it was a great situation for a young player to be in, and it probably helped Derek Jeter to evolve into a, a leader-type player, uh, a guy who goes out there and leads by example, and I get that. But to look back on those championships and saying, and kind of giving Jeter credit as like the captain who, well, who, who led that team, I, I have a hard time with that as well. No, why did he become the captain? I mean, he, first of all, Because he was mad. Because A-Rod joined the team. There you go. It didn't happen until all these, these other players left, and A-Rod joined the team. And so they did two <laughs> things. They said, all right, we're going to leave you at shortstop and move A-Rod over to third, even though A-Rod is a better defensive shortstop, and we're going to call you the captain. And maybe he earned it by then being a leader, although being the Yankee captain, I mean, that is a, a legendary moniker right there. But I think, I think by the end of his career, it's fine. Call him the captain. It happened for a reason. It happened towards the end of his career, uh, the middle of his career, but after all these other guys left the team. So, hey, captain, you were a great player, maybe edged into the top ten shortstops of all time, not nearly ahead of Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, Joe DiMaggio, Mickey Mantle, Yogi Berra, Bill Dickey, Mariana Rivera, Whitey Ford, Lefty Gomez, Bob Musil, Red Ruffing, on and on and on, the great Yankees of all time, and not one of the even hundred best baseball players of all time. Love you, Derek Jeter. I know, and, and again, like, it's a shame, because I, I don't really hate on Derek Jeter. It just becomes like, you know, when, when you hear arguments that are just, you feel like are, are so off base, that you want, like, it's, it's bad that, like, I find myself arguing against the Derek Jeter, but I don't really mean it. I just think that, you know, there's there's something to be said. And, you know, when it comes to Derek Jeter and, you know, you know one of the things in the mythology uh, of Derek Jeter is obviously how he comes through in the fall, even though, you know, there, there's a bit of hyperbole in, his, in the fall classic stats and how people want to look at his postseason performances. But, alas, this year, Derek Jeter and the Yankees not in the postseason. And it's fall, and fall is time where football gets into the high swing and baseball postseason is in the mix. And most importantly on this show, it's fall TV time. That's it's right. new seasons. It's, it's old, old shows coming back for their new seasons. It's, it's new shows trying to find their niche in this pop culture landscape. And, you know, it's funny because we did this show, and we started this show last year. I remember doing our fall TV show and saying, oh, my God, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do because there was like 50-some-odd shows that I felt like I had to set my DVR for and was trying to figure out if there were enough hours in the day to watch all the TV I wanted to watch. 
as far as new shows go this fall, much, much different for me. And we'll get into it. I'm curious what you put. But for me, new shows that went on the DVR so far, and I don't see it really increasing much, Blackish, Gotham, and Flash, and Marry Me has not been on yet, but I'm going to give it a chance. That's really it for me. It's not a lot. Your thoughts on, like, the, the new landscape of fall TV? Sure. You know, the, the one thing that I love that I DVR and I've actually watched numerous times is the Derek Jeter Gatorade commercial. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Seriously, though. Um, <laughs> uh, Gotham, which I've enjoyed tremendously. Um, there hasn't been anything else that I've been able to watch because Gotham premiered nothing else has on my list. Um, the Flash... Uh, is on my list. I watched 20 minutes of it before I got over here. Star Wars Rebels, I watched a half hour of that, which premiered last night. And I think I'm going to give Star Wars Rebels a shot. Uh, I watched The Clone Wars for the first couple of years. It lost. I lost interest in it. I really like the look and feel of this. I like the fact that it's starting a few years before the original Star Wars movie, a few years before A New Hope. And... Uh, it's got elements of the beginnings of a rebellion. Very interesting to me. The Flash, we'll see. I, I, we talked about before. We had the CW bias on this show. Unfortunately, I hate to be biased on you know in anything. I want to give it all a shot. So we'll see. Marry Me has not premiered yet, but I have high hopes. Another sitcom, Mulaney, was terrible. Uh, premiered Sunday night, and I've got a whole Sunday night. I'll get into my Sunday night thing, but. Yeah, that was really awful, already off of the DVR scheduled list. And uh, the one other show, which uh, is maybe under the radar right now, everybody pay attention, I think it's next month, The Mike Tyson Mysteries. (laughs) Animated show, I believe, on Adult Swim on the Cartoon Network. Mike Tyson getting word from one of his carrier pigeons that there's a problem that needs to be solved. It's going to look like one of those old Hanna-Barbera cartoons. <laughs> and, my God, I've said how I love – this is the last show. Love how Mike Tyson is still relevant in pop culture. I love how he's made a comeback personally. Man, this is going to be great. Oh, it's going to be wait. awesome. I'm so excited. So <laughs> excited to solve a mystery. I want to eat his children. <laughs> and I would have gotten away with it, too, if it wasn't for you meddling lisp former punchy boxer. That's the kind of show I'm looking for, guys. <laughs> That's it. Well, anyway, it gets, I mean, it's funny, man. And, and I, you know, Marry Me, I got to be honest, like, the trailers, eh, it, it didn't, like, grab me, but I I, I love Ken Marino, and uh, I, I'm forgetting the chick's name. Casey Wilson. Casey Wilson. She was uh, Penny on Happy Endings. SNL before that. I, I, I dig her. I, I like her. Um, so I, that, I'm basically giving the show a chance uh, based on the cast. Uh, and it's funny because same thing with Black Blackish, um, not Blacklist, but Blackish, right. uh, the new show starring uh, Anthony Anderson, who um, I've always enjoyed. I've always liked what he does. I think he's he's funny. So uh, you know, it's definitely his vehicle. Um, so I, I've enjoyed it so far. And Lawrence Fishburne being in the mix is is just cool. Um, so it's been good. Gotham is amazing. Gotham is. As as a, as a Batman guy, as as someone who, uh, uh, you know, just I've been a fan forever, as I've stated many times on the show, um, I, I I couldn't be happier really with what it's just a story that hasn't been told 
the kid they got to play Bruce Wayne is phenomenal. Uh, just talk about a kid that that's really uh, giving depth to you know to Bruce Wayne at a young age that that he just he plays damaged yep. really well. Now, now hopefully we don't. Now he's not damaged in real life, and we don't you know you know hear about him being arrested uh, right. you know covered in cocaine with six prostitutes. But he's just he plays damaged. Really well, and and I love their interpretation of the penguin right now. Yep. I love the subtle hints they're giving to other villains. Uh, the the girl they got to play, uh, Selena Kyle. Selena Kyle is amazing. Right. Is it just me? Does she look like a young Michelle Pfeiffer? I could see that. Facially, she reminds me of Michelle Pfeiffer. She, I think she's tremendous. Yeah, they haven't uh, done too much with her yet. Uh, they started to after uh, the, the, at the end of the second episode, but you know. You're the big Batman fan. I am the guy who appreciates Batman, has seen the movies, you know, and the TV show, but not the hugest fan. And I still love it. And like you said, the casting, everyone you mentioned, as well as, uh, you know, Detective Gordon himself uh, is great. I I love the guy. I love the whole Penguin thing. And Donald Logue as as Bullock is awesome. I thought, and also, I thought the the killing of, of, uh, you know, Thomas and Martha Wayne was one of the more brutal, uh, heart-wrenching interpretations of, of that murder. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it is what it is. It's tough to reinterpret. I mean, we've seen that scene uh, done a thousand times in different ways, but there's something about it, the way they did it on Gotham, that was really uh, gut-wrenching. It, it's gritty. It's it's something very different than what we've seen out of superhero TV shows as, as of late. And it, again, it's a story that, Hasn't been told, which gives them a little bit of creative freedom. I mean, they're tweaking some origins. They're giving you hints to, to other things. But so far, I, again, I could not be happier with what they're putting out there with Gotham. By contrast, I finished Flash, and I want to give the Flash a, a chance. Um, but there is that CW uh, bias, and, and it's interesting. And it, it's not a bias. It just seems like CW kind of... They don't had, do it right. Yeah, and they had this like consistent like we're, we're going to interpret it this way, and and there are certain similarities between a lot of CW shows. So you can't you know sometimes it's like if you don't like one CW show, there's at least six others you're going to hate too because they're all kind of carbon copies of each other. Ken, within the first fifteen minutes of the show, they they showed the Flash's abs. That's what CW did. exactly. But I what I what bothered me about Flash like I found the episode entertaining. Okay. Um, I, I thought the uh, the uh, uh, representation of Professor Zoom was kind of cool. They put that out there. I love the fact that they cast Je- John Wesley Shipp as Flash's father, who played Flash in the ninety ninety one series way back when. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, you know, the, the special effects obviously are cool. Um, but, again, like you said, we have to have uh, – the abs thing. Um, everybody has to be good looking, you know, in these shows. Uh, you know, again, by contrast, Gotham. Not everyone's, you know, there's a lot oh. of people on that show no. that are kind of difficult to look at. I mean, they're, you know, it's it's grittier. It, it's more like, I mean, when you watch Gotham, you're just like, man, I do not want to walk the streets in Gotham. You know, no. it, it's a dangerous city to be in. They say it all um, the time. When we when you've got Oswald Cobblepot, you know, as one of your main guys, and you know Gordon's partner, what you know Donald Logue, what's his name? Uh, Bullock. Yeah, I mean, a big difference between the look and feel of it, the characters, the the, the 
appearance of the actors, yeah, big difference from The Flash and most shows you'll find on that network. But where what I my biggest problem with Flash, and it's my problem, you know, I, I liked the old Batman movies with Michael Keaton, but what bothered me a lot was when they revealed his identity. Um, a number of times, it was like each movie he was just pulling the mask off for someone. I, that bothers me. Like, that, the, the true identity... It is is a guarded secret. It's something that heroes do not want to give up. And I, I in do. episode one, episode one, episode one, there's at least I mean, there's four people that know who, that that he's the Flash uh, right off the bat. Arrow, as a, which was kind of a cool crossover, but Arrow knows that Flash is Barry Allen, and he takes his mask off when he's battling the the, the villain of of the episode. So I mean, if the villain could actually put it together and figure out that that's Barry Allen. So in the first episode, there's like five or six people that know, hey, there's the Flash. There's Barry. Hey, there's, look at Barry. He's running fast down the street again. Uh, go, Barry. Look at Barry go. Run, Barry, run. So, I mean, that that really bugged me. So, I mean, I'm going to give it a chance. It wasn't like I watched the show and said, oh, my God, this sucks. But – there was a, to me, there was a lot wrong with it, and and I will give it a chance, and I'll try to be optimistic, but not even close, comparatively speaking, with the, the dramatic, gritty performances you're getting out of Gotham and what you saw at a Flash. And even not just gritty because they might each be their own show, just entertainment value overall. Gotham just makes you want to watch it. You can't wait for the next show, and there are a lot of shows that'll do that, regardless of the genre, regardless of its drama or comedy I, I have I have a problem and if you notice the shows I mentioned Gotham, Flash, Marry Me, Mulaney, Star Wars Rebels it's, it's only compounding this problem I have anxiety by Tuesday of every week because of how much is on my DVR <laughs> and then but this is really odd I record six shows on Sunday five on Monday I think I have written here eight on Tuesday. Wow. And that's it. Modern Family and Saturday Night Live. That's my week. So I have a lot of time. But, man, when Tuesday rolls around and I've got those red dots next to a million shows <laughs> and I see what I have built up, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm freaking out. So and partly for that reason and partly for other reasons and you know longevity, whatever it is, there are a few shows I'm thinking of dropping. And I don't do it often. But I'm thinking of dropping for my TV watching. And one of them, it's kind of a shame. Did you see the uh, the Family Guy Simpsons crossover episode? I did. Did you like it? I did. I loved it, too. There were some people that had backlash. I say, what more could you expect? It's exactly what I expected from a Family Guy episode that involved the Simpsons, top to bottom, the, the rude jokes, the, the extended chicken fight, the pairings. It's exactly what I expected. And I watched it, and I said, you know what? It might be time to stop watching Family Guy and The Simpsons. I, dun, dun, dun! It, it just might be time. The Simpsons, when they had that marathon... I no! Thought, <laughs> if you watch the first few days, you got the best of The Simpsons. And the last, you know, 12 years, not as many memorable episodes. Very forgettable. And Family Guy, is it's entertaining, but it's not necessarily new. You know, South Park, one other show, which is always new and edgy. And, of course, I've mentioned it before, sticking on my schedule Sunday's Bob's Burgers, um, which, by the way, did just win the Emmy for Best Animated Series. Uh, one of the characters named by readers of Entertainment Weekly is the most interesting character on TV. 
got to always give my Bosberger shout out. <laughs> Another show that we both love, Sunday nights, they've broken up their animation block with Brooklyn Nine-Nine sticking around. But I feel like with giving up on Mulaney and dropping The Simpsons and Family Guy, you know, it's one of those nights that used to be, hey, I'll watch everything, kind of breaking up. And Two Broke Girls is another show that I've been watching and I may be ready to dump at this point. Um, it's It's just sex-related one-liners and, you know, not too much else. I dumped Two and a Half Men at one point, and this is going the same route. So, you know, a couple of new shows, maybe dumping as many shows as I am gaining, and if you count the canceled shows and the shows that happily ended their run, it's actually a good thing. I may be watching a little bit less TV this season, <laughs> and that there's nothing wrong with that at this point. Yeah, I mean, I, this season, honestly, right now, the, the one thing, I, and again, I'm, I'm very excited about Gotham, but the one thing I'm, I'm really excited, I haven't had any shows that I decided to give up on. Uh, I guess shows, uh, I had shows that were canceled, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm sticking around, I'm sticking with the shows that, that, that came back, but, and, and no one, nobody, call in right now and discuss at all Sons of Anarchy. You're allowed to discuss anything else in the realm of pop culture. I will hang up on you <laughs> if you call up and want to talk Sons of Anarchy tonight. That show is phenomenal. It's getting like all sorts of Shakespearean. They're killing everybody. It's just a big Shakespearean tragedy. Um, but this last season has been, I, I think it's been phenomenal to start off with. It's, it's just every episode is kind of grabbing you by the cojones. And I'm excited to, to watch that run. And generally, we're not doing the show. You know, Tuesday nights, it's turn off the phone. You can't get in touch with me, and I'm I'm all about Sons of Anarchy. Blacklist is back. Love the show. It's been it's been tremendous starting off. I mean, you, you just you can't go wrong with James Spader. I mean, he's just and I still you know it's funny with that show because I think the show is well written, but really top to bottom, it's it, the acting is mediocre. But James Spader's amazing, and and that is enough. To keep you watching week in and week out. As far as I'm concerned, I I don't know how you feel about it. I just think the acting is. I don't know if anyone on that show is ever going to win an award outside of James Spader. He's phenomenal. He makes the show phenomenal. I'm still a big fan of the show. Pluses and minuses on the acting. You know, if you run down, I like the guy who plays uh, Agent Cooper who came back. I think he's doing a good job. Um, I think she's off the show at this point. Um, Parminda Nagra, I can't remember the character, but she was uh, one of the the people who I think was caught helping the the other so whatever it was. She was not loyal to the FBI, and yeah, otherwise up and down. But James Spader on that show is one of the most intriguing, fun to watch characters around. Um, you know, might be right up there with uh, Tina on Bob's Burgers as one of the most interesting characters on TV. <laughs> and I just this guy, you know, you can't compare. Uh, I love The Blacklist, and, um, you know, one of those shows that I'll watch pretty much every Monday. Um, as far as returning dramas, it's three of them for me. It's The Blacklist, Person of Interest, and uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and I've got a few comedies that I love that came back, Big Bang Theory, Modern Family, The Mindy Project, which, you know, I've talked about here occasionally, as well as Brooklyn Nine-Nine and, and Bob's Burgers. Those are the shows I'm really excited about returning and coming back very soon comic book men on amc the kevin smith secret stash show as far as reality shows that are sometimes somewhat contrived i find this one a lot of fun and i'm 
interested in all aspects of pop culture. Not the biggest comic book fan, but enjoy it. I just love the guys on this show, and uh, you know, I love the people that come into the shop and whatever it is that they come up with to give that sh- the show that you know contrived over the top thing week to week. It's still fun. That's a good show. And speaking of which, on AMC, Walking Dead coming back soon, yep. which I can't wait for. So very excited about that. Fall TV. It's it's you know it it, it could just be the, the the real most wonderful time of the year. It's just it's good. And, and you know we still got more to talk about, but we have some guys that have been on hold patiently. So let's go out to the phones. We got Dank on the line. Dank, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing good. How you gentlemen doing? How are you? We are doing all right. What do you got for us tonight? Oh well, let's see. Um, let's start with Cheater. Uh, all right. And um. Let me start by saying I am a Red Sox fan. So um, the fact that I'm about to say what I'm about to say does leave a bad taste in my mouth, but you got to respect. I understand and agree with the whole fact that if you look at the stats, Eric Jeter, he's not the best Yankee there is, so there ever was. Top 10, not even. And I think it really comes down to, like, the leadership, and not just the leadership, but also what he did as far as role model for the New York Yankees. In a time where people are getting arrested, or even in the past decades, you know, you had people drunk doing this, doing that. How often was Derek Jeter in the news for something negative, like getting arrested, like like anything he was a role model that everybody looked to and he on top of it where professional players go where the money is more than the loyalty Jeter stayed with New York Jeter I agree with you that he is one of the best role models and one of the most loyal ball players of his time, maybe of all time. But when we talk about the best baseball players, I'm happy to include uh, leadership on the field, intangibles, clutch play. But being a role model and loyal just doesn't play into being one of the best baseball players. Yeah, and that's why I like when back to Jeter because he's, he's a really great athlete, athlete. and I keep saying that they played for the wrong team. There are players out there which have retired which have never won championship, never put up stellar numbers, but will be Hall of Famers. They will always be talked about as great Maybe not greatest of all time, but great players. Um, look at Dan Marino. Never won a Super Bowl. But yet we still know people talk talk about him as like one of the best offense players that ever played the game for that team. Jeter falls in the same category. Not the greatest ball player, but the Yankee organization. Kind of like, you know, Big Poppy. Uh, David Ortiz for the Red Sox. Is he the best Red Sox player that ever was? Not even close. But he has this persona, this charisma that cannot be ignored. 
and when the when his time will come that he's going to retire, I can see him maybe even retiring this you know this off season because David Ortiz has never really been about the big fanfare. David Ortiz has never been about you know like some players want it, some players even if they don't want it they get it. I think it came to the point where even Jeter. If you look at him at the beginning of the season, and you know, not including the last few games in New York, he had this look like, "Oh my God, what else are they going to give me now?" But will he be missed by the organization? Yes. Oh, well, sure. you know, even even as a role model, as a leader, yes, if he's leaving a big hole in the starting lineup, which I don't know if there's anybody that's going to like in you know in the future that's going to be able to replace. You know, when and we talk about... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, and that's my part, that, that's my saying about Jeter, and then I was going to move on to um, the uh, the shows. Go for it. I've said enough about Jeter. I don't need to, <laughs> I don't need to respond to every point. I've, I've gotten my, my uh, whole take out there. What have you got okay. on TV? Uh, well, I definitely agree with you guys on Gotham. Uh, addicted with this and the DVR. Could it's still kind of like teeter tottering? Could become a a sleeper hit, or could be canceled within the next couple of weeks. Is Scorpion? Scorpion is very reminiscent of the the TNT show Leverage. You get a bunch of guys. You know they all are smart. One is smart with you know numbers. The other one is an IT guy that's really good with computers. You get, you know, the autistic genius, put them together, they start solving crimes, they start solving problems by the FBI guy that is played, I can never remember his name, he played a Terminator in the second Terminator movie. Um, Robert couple Patrick. episodes in, not bad. But like I said, it's that, like, it could do really good if it has the, the, the following. Because if people just start stop watching it, it no matter how good the show is, they're going to end up canceling it. So I, I I'm on the fence about that one, so I'm not getting too attached to it. You know, I got I another recommendation on that show. My sister said I should watch it. I was going to ask Ken. You know, are you considering that? I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. It does look interesting. I almost went and watched the first one on demand and tried to to catch up. But it, it definitely looks interesting. Um, it was weird though. The guy the guy who banged Stifler's mom was in it, and I couldn't take him seriously as as a genius. Yeah, that, that's another <laughs> one. Oh, I'm like, mom. maybe got a little miscast, but um, <laughs> uh, what else? I mean, you got you got your usual suspects of you know. I still like Two Broke Girls. It's just something that it's one of those half hour shows that you want to put on. You really don't have to pay attention to it, and it makes you you know chuckle here and there. That's Big Bang. Um, now, Two and a Half Men. I'm looking forward to it for this season for a couple of reasons. First reason, obviously, it's the last season, so I want to see how they get out. Second, there is this rumor that Charlie Sheen may have patched things up with the producers and may make a cameo towards the end as kind of like a send-off. So that's what's keeping me hooked, because I want to see if, like, 
if it does go through, how they're going to do it. Right. I've heard that he wants to come back, and if he does, I'll certainly tune in and check it out, because who knows what kind of either terrific TV or train wreck that could be. <laughs> but, but I'll tune in. Um, I, it's funny that, you know, all of a sudden he starts talking about patching things up and whatnot when his 100-episode run of anger management on effects starts running out. Coincidence? Well-timed? We don't know the machine we're talking about. Yeah, meeting genius, or is he just out of his mind? Still don't know. But, um, there's been times where, you know, and, and I'm sure that you guys happen to you guys as well, where you get so attached to a show, so addicted to it, and you think it's doing well, and then all of a sudden it just gets canceled. So I'm still weary about, like, watching new shows because it's, what if I get too attached <laughs> and then they're going to cancel it? Like, Don't Gotham's get attached to Gotham. Gotham's doing great, so obviously that's going to keep going. The Flash I haven't seen yet, so I'm going to have to see. It's in the style of, if you keep it like Arrow, it's going to do good. It's going to hold its own. The one show going fail is Constantine. I don't think there's enough marketing for Constantine. Uh, and they've changed a significant amount of, about Constantine that I think it's going to do well the first few weeks because people want to see how it is. But ultimately, I think that that's the one that's going to not make it in the end. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, Constantine, you know, it's it's a hero that, you know, it's not a, you know, it's not one of the high-profile superheroes, so it's not like comic book heroes where, you know, Gotham inherently just being about Batman or the Batman universe will bring eyeballs uh, to the show. It's it's tough for a Constantine. And depending on what they changed, I mean, that's the problem with a show like that. If if you change, you know, it's, it doesn't have a name that will necessarily draw in non-comic book fans to watch it. But if you if you go and you change too much, the comic book fans that are going to watch it are going to get pissy that they change too much. And, and if, if you don't have the right marketing scheme surrounding it, uh, all those factors kind of start to smell disaster for a show like that. Yeah, and I mean, like, the, the great thing about Gotham is that they started at a point where Bruce Wayne is so young that even if the show has, like, a 10-year run, and, and, and obviously the actor is going to grow up on screen, he's never going to be old enough to where he actually becomes Batman. So they can actually run for 10 years and never have to see Batman. So I, I think it, I, that was a very well-played part. Huh? No, I, it might be the last scene in the last season of the show, which I'd have no problem with. We, we already scripted that on the show here. The, the, the show is going to have a 10-year run, yep. and the final scene of the final episode of the series is going to be Commissioner Gordon standing on the roof of the police station just kind of thinking about things, and Batman is just going to show up on the rooftop, and then the, the show's going to end. And that's it. That's how you end Gotham. I'm looking to, I'm going to be in my 50s, and I have written the end of Gotham 
10 years down the road. And just to add to it, right as the credits roll, you just hear that Joker giggle. Why not? Oh, <laughs> nice. Bravo. Well, gentlemen, I'm going to leave you be. I, I, I don't think I can top that. I'm just going to bow out. I'm going to keep listening <laughs> to the show. And we'll talk uh, next month. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, Dan. Good stuff. Great Take it cool. easy. All right. Oh, I love the credits. I love the credits ending. Oh, it's awesome. Oh, good stuff. We're going to go back out to the phones. We're going out to Jersey. Call, are you there? Oh, my God. 47 minutes I've been on hold. <laughs> the voice sounds familiar. I'm, try- I'm trying to place it. It's El Rotundo. El Rotundo. What have you been waiting so patiently to say to us? I just wanted to say hi. My God. I was fell asleep. I'm sorry. I thought we were being more entertaining than that. I, you know, I know you're big into the wrestling thing, but uh, El Rotundo, what what are you enjoying watching on TV right now? Porn. <laughs> <laughs> Is it the new season for porn starting right now? I think it started last week. Okay. <laughs> well, I just want I want to call and say hi because we never talk anymore, and I miss you guys, especially Dave. Where is Dave? <laughs> Wrong show. We got two shows going now. Tonight we got our pop life show. We discuss pop culture and Dave's on the show, the wrestling show that we do on, on Mondays from uh six thirty to eight o'clock. So we're talking oh, pop cool. culture tonight. And I'll oh, actually we're talking wow. porn now. Yeah, I guess I'll call on Sunday then. Monday. Monday. Okay. Alright. Well, I I just want to talk to Dave, but alright, I'll call back Monday. Sounds good. Thanks for the call. All right. Okay, bye. bye. Good talking to you. And there you go. And that's the thing. When you do a show like that, you never know. Uh, you know, I, I, I bet he's got a, a, a weekend pass and somehow averted being dragged back into the asylum. And so, oh, man. <laughs> El Rotundo giving us a phone call on this Tuesday night. And I honestly, you know, and this is why I love our callers, I did not know that porn had seasons that they're, they're, like fall comes around and you get new porn. No, I, you know what? I It's terrible, the porn that was canceled. But there is some great new stuff, and I don't know which what's going to last, what's not. But, yeah, the porn season, uh, tremendous. So, by the way, go, go to CBS, great new porn. Great new porn. Yeah, absolutely. CBS, check it out. Not Not for your grandparents anymore. Yeah, it gives you, like, you know, if, if like, the new season of porn... <laughs> had blacklist on it would have a totally different sure. feel to it. Uh, oh my god. Uh Flash would not be I don't think Flash would last. The, the Big Bang Theory though. <laughs> Tremendous. Blackish, I could see that succeeding. Uh you know, uh even even New Girl, I'm sure there's an interest there. So, yeah, you never know. And then and then of course like always keeping it safe, the shield. <laughs> There you go. And that's, that's what we call in the business an awkward transition. <laughs> but let's segue because one of the shows we didn't talk about uh, was The Shield. And The Shield came back. And it's, it, I, I like the beginning of the season. It's funny with Shield. It's still one of those shows that I'm enjoying. But I can't say that I'm like, oh, yes, The Shield is on. I'm enjoying it. It's keeping my interest. It's a decent show. Um, I love Coulson. I, I, it, real good character. Um, another show where like the the acting at times is, eh, 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 eh. 
But fun storytelling. Um, it's episodic while tied to a, a broader universe. So I'm enjoying it, but it's not something that, you know, like Sons of Anarchy, it's like, it, it's visceral. I can't wait to see that next episode. I don't get that from S.H.I.E.L.D., albeit I, I do think it's a good show. Very entertaining, a word I've used already. It's, it, there's nothing wrong with simply being entertained by a show, even if it's not the, the highest of drama. It's got some drama. It's got some comedy. It's got some great elements. I'm loving what's going on with Fitz right now and his mental state yeah. After, yeah, after what happened to him and, and his partner not being there. Uh, that's really interesting. Of course, the whole thing going on this season where S.H.I.E.L.D. is underground and HYDRA is growing, uh, you know, very interesting. They only had one scene with our, um, what's his name, the agent who, who turned is now in... in yeah, uh, agent, what's his name? It, Ward. I'm Ward, good, because I didn't think I was going to remember it. So, interesting plot lines. Uh, I loved the, the uh, last week's show where uh, Coulson met up with the uh, the army guy and then kind of won the standoff verbally and took off in those uh, cloaked planes. So, really, cool stuff going on this year. Maybe better than the way last year ended. And I am looking forward to it week to week. Yeah, I mean, it, it's cool because I think anytime you know, with Heroes, um, the, the best thing, the best way to sell drama is just to put obstacles in, in, in front of them and to have a show called S.H.I.E.L.D. and to dismantle S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, that's that's yep. it's a pretty big obstacle. So I agree with you. Like I'm more intrigued coming into this season than I was, I guess, satisfied with last season. Again, it like just kept my interest, but I didn't think it was great. Um, I, I'm kind of intrigued with where this season is is going to go uh, with Shield being underground. But you know, it, it, again, you got to hand it to Marvel as they have just, you know, other companies it seems like they're. I heard a report today that they're trying to like create a Robin Hood. Uh, that that uh, was it. Sony Pictures that they bought the rights to Robin Hood to create a Marvel type universe uh, surrounding Robin Hood, which I I don't know how the blazes you do that with Robin Hood, and that that's another subject for another episode. But yeah. all these movie studios are trying to play catch up with what Marvel has been able to do, which has been absolutely. I, I mean, I don't think it's uh, hyperbole saying it's been brilliant. It's yeah. been absolutely brilliant the way. They they've hit the movies and they and, and TV and they're like we are creating a universe. We are giving fans a universe. Big rumors today. You know, you, we have all these plans. We discuss. We email. We text. What are we going to talk about on the show? And then all of a sudden today, news breaking, but not really news. Kind of rumors um, that Spider Man might be close to coming back into the Marvel fold as far as movies go. And for those of you who don't know, Marvel doesn't own Spider-Man as far as Marvel motion pictures. Right. Uh, Sony owns Spider-Man. Right. And, just, just like Fox has control of the X-Men, and you're not going to see Wolverine in an Avengers movie. So, yeah, there, there's intellectual property issues, you know, my thing, uh, tying up characters. But Spider-Man, obviously, great appeal over the last uh, 15 years or so. So what did you hear today? Well, again, and these are the obstacles that when you, we talk about a Marvel universe in, in the media sense, and, and the X-Men is another thing that, like, if you really want to really create 
a Marvel universe. Marvel's going to need to get these these other characters into the fold. Yeah, not that there's and anything then, uh, wrong with the X Men universe. No, not at all. Not even a little bit. No, no, no. Awesome, awesome yeah. stuff. Great stuff. But they need to need to get into the fold. Um, from what we're hearing now, and, and supposedly it, it's kind of secretive, but Marvel is the negotiations are open, and Sony. You know, maybe maybe we could thank Andrew Garfield for being a subpar Spider-Man to, like, that Sony's like, let's just get the hell, let's just get rid of Spider-Man. Um, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know what it is, but Sony is willing to talk. Well, Sony uh, can make money by giving Spider-Man back or licensing him instead of potentially not making as much in the movies. Marvel may not really need Spider-Man. But can make for some interesting storytelling. And Marvel, Marvel's owned by Disney, right? So I mean, you know, Disney is going to own everything at some point. I mean, at some point, I'm sure Disney's going to wind up buying the X Men. They're going to buy DC, and then we're going to see a movie where we're going to see Wolverine versus Spider Man versus Captain America versus Darth Vader. What I'm like, we're going to see them all together (laughs) in the same movie. What I'm really looking forward to, honestly, is Disney's TKRS presents Pop Life. Yes! I can't wait for that to come out. Yes, and then we could have a whole big, like, TKRS pop life on ice, <laughs> which would be awesome. <laughs> but anyway, here's we fly off the tangent. The big thing about the, the Spider-Man thing is that now, now as much as the, there are rumors, and there have been rumors circulating for a while, that with this whole Marvel Universe they've created, that they want to do at some point a big-budgeted, kick-ass Civil War movie. Uh, for those of you who don't know the Civil War storyline, I'm not a Marvel guy, so I, I actually haven't read Civil War. I've read parts of it, and uh, and I've researched it. Um, but Civil War was a Marvel storyline in which the U.S. government decided that heroes needed to register with the government and receive certain training and supervision. They needed to register their secret identity. And what happened was certain certain heroes were like, ah, yeah, all right, cool, you know, whatever. I'm all about the, the truth and the justice, and uh, I got nothing to hide. So, yeah, whatever, I'll register. And other heroes were like, you got to be kidding me, man. I, I, got, I wear a mask. I gotta, it's got to be a secret. If they know who I am, then they'll, they'll try and they'll kill my family. So it was a, whole, it was a, it was a big to-do. And, and so what happened was there, there were two factions that, that formed within the, the Marvel Universe, within the superheroes, and uh, Tony Stark, Iron Man, was, was head of one, and he kind of was like, hey, I'm cool with registering with the government. And Captain America was on the other side, like, hell no, I'm not registering. And they kind of battled. And it was a big thing in the Marvel comic book universe. Spider-Man is a central figure in, in that. Now, they're, they're, as far as I know, the X-Men are involved in it, but they're kind of a, an ancillary kind of storyline. The, the, the storyline really centers more around the, the Avengers and Spider-Man, though, becomes a central figure in that. So the rumors, and again, these are all rumors, but as, as pop culture aficionados, we have to get excited about these rumors. There, there have been rumors of a Civil War movie for quite some time. The, the talk of negotiations of Spider-Man coming back into the Marvel fold has definitely loaned a certain amount of credibility to the fact that perhaps we're looking at a Civil War movie down the road a piece, which would be so cool. And as we're getting ready for, like, the next Avengers movie, it's all of a sudden we're looking past that to perhaps a Civil War movie. Yeah, seriously past, because it's, it sounds great. Look, getting superheroes together has worked great for Marvel. DC is hoping it's going to work terrifically as well. 
it, it sounds like it'd be a lot of fun. The storyline, which I learned about today, the whole Civil War storyline, also sounds great, great storytelling. But remember that Sony has a Spider-Man movie scheduled for 2018, and Marvel's got stuff scheduled, including the Avengers, through like 2020. So seriously down the road. So a lot of times for the negotiations to, to work out, a lot of times to see if, if Spider-Man, the new movies, succeed or fail, and how much Marvel decides in the next seven, eight years if they need a Spider-Man story. But down the road, like you said, might be a terrific twist in the Marvel Universe. I'm curious, Todd, and I, I, I saw the first, and, and I wonder if, if this is part of it, but I saw the first Spider-Man movie, the new the re, the reboot, right? I haven't seen the second one, and part of the reason I, I didn't see the second one is because the first one I kind of felt was eh. Um, I, 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 and now that the funny thing is, there's also rumors of another reboot that if this goes through, they may reboot the character again, uh, and and they reboot Spider-Man again, they gotta like blow it out of the park because I wasn't crazy. I, I thought the, the the first Amazing Spider-Man was okay. It was entertaining, but it, you know, it just, I didn't like Andrew Garfield as, as Peter Parker slash Spider-Man. I just didn't think he was that good at it. And, and contrasting the first movie with, with Tobey Maguire, right. and, and look, the third one was terrible, but the first and second movies with Tobey Maguire, I thought were just, just great. I mean, certain things were changed. Um, I thought those were great movies, and I thought, a, you know, a reboot that close, I mean, immediately you're going to compare the two. I mean, you know, Christian Bale got, got recast, you know, got cast as Batman. They're obviously rebooting the character. Michael Keaton was far enough away that maybe, you know, maybe you compare, but it wasn't like that immediate. Right. Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, you were going to compare. I didn't think he was that good as Spider-Man. Did you see any of the Amazing Spider-Man? I saw the first one. I didn't have a huge problem with Andrew Garfield. He was not Tobey Maguire. He was fine. I actually loved the first Spider-Man movie with Tobey Maguire. Not so much the second and third. <gasps> no! no! I speak it the truth, Ken. Really? I loved the second I, one. I had Come certain, on! certain issues with it. It was good. It was not nearly what the first one was. But Doc Ock was so cool in the second one. I had some issues with Doc Ock. I... I, look, I liked the new Amazing Spider-Man better than the second and third. <gasps> so no! But, listen, again, the, the whole reboot thing, I think there may be some legal issues here. I have a, a sense, and I think I may have read this, that if yes. Sony doesn't make a Spider-Man movie every certain number of years, that rights revert back to Marvel. Therefore, they've got to keep going, and if they're not going to make five with the same guy playing Spider-Man, they've got to reboot. And, you know, or continue the story with an older and older Spider-Man played by different people, you know, a la the first four Batman movies starting with Michael Keaton. I don't know. I, this is, it makes some sense to me. Um, you've got to keep making the movies or you lose the rights and Marvel gets them back. And it would be a shrewd thing for Marvel to do. Um, so that may be the reason behind uh, Sony's strategy there. It would be cool, though. I, I mean, I do think, you know, it's funny, and, and I'm not going to even pretend to remotely even slightly understand all the legalities involved, but, you know, when, you know, it just would be cool if, if 
like with everything. If all the Marvel characters were in one place, all right. the DC characters are in one place. I mean, that's how it should be. And if you want to, you know, cross everyone over, then then cross them the hell over, and and you know, fans benefit. But you know, at this point. And it was something that, I mean, it was all over the internet, it was all over social media, and it was something that uh, was very exciting. Um, but at this point, it is just rumor. So, I mean, we, we could all, we could have just wasted the past couple minutes on the show, and this might not happen. But it, it is an exciting thing to speculate on, uh, you know, whether or not Spider-Man could come into the fold as far as uh, the Marvel Universe. I mean, even now, you're looking like the next Avengers movie, I mean, how cool would it be if even you have a after credit scene and they keep this all hush hush and Spider Man's in the after credit scene? Right, right. Now, how about something else going on? It, it is kind of grounded in fact, but spurring a lot of rumors. And this is, God, I hate to say it, the uh, the possibility of an Indiana Jones five. No. Right now, I'll, I'll take this show over because Ken has jumped out the window. <laughs> but uh, welcome to Pop Life, starring Todd Evans. Uh, listen, it's it's definitely ripe for rumor now. Will Will Harrison Ford be involved? Who will be the lead in the movie? What kind of story will they tell? Will it be closer to the first three than number four? I hope. But it does seem like they're in talks. Have you heard anything beyond? Hey, it looks like there may be an Indiana Jones five. And no, I mean, there's a lot. There's so much speculation. I mean, you know, the one thing I heard, and look, I, I love Indiana Jones. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I joke. I jest, but I, I hated the fourth one. I hated the fourth one. And and you know, you know as well as I do. I mean, there are two people sitting in this room right now that will will debate you till the cows come home on the artistic validity of Hudson Hawk. Okay, we love Hudson Hawk. So we, we will accept movies for what they are. We are not the type of people that will go to a movie and just because be like, oh, that sucks. Blah, 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 blah. We, want, we go to the movies to enjoy ourselves. That's why we go. And it, it, it broke my heart. It broke my heart for, for the credits to roll in an Indiana Jones movie and to be sitting there going, that was bad. That, like I really didn't like it. I wanted to, I wanted to like it. Give me something to like about it. Now, when you saw the fourth one, you kind of got the impression that perhaps they were looking at kind of spinning off the Indy Indy Jones uh, franchise and maybe giving Shia LaBeouf's character his own run. He sucked balls. Okay, he was terrible in that. Do not even think. Do not let. Do not sh- let Shia LaBeouf even watch an Indiana Jones movie ever again. Okay, just don't let him anywhere close to it. But forgetting uh, him, could could Indiana Jones become like James Bond, where you have a different person playing him, not necessarily rebooting the franchise, but let's get a younger guy in and tell some more indie stories? It, it's a tough call. It's a tough call because Indiana Jones is so Harrison Ford. Now, I do think it, what I would do, if, if you're going to reboot, and I hear what you're saying, go younger... Um, I think you go younger, younger, younger. Like you go pre Raiders of the Lost Ark, and and not not young Indiana Jones right. like the TV series, but you know somewhere between Indy in his twenties, you know, and and you know give some adventures there. I think maybe it can work, but don't, don't, don't give me any sort of sequel 
to the other movies and recast Indiana Jones right. around that age. I, I I think that's that's a mistake. It's still a tough sell for me. Um, you know, I, I get it, and it's going to happen. If you do a prequel, I, I get it. Um, but they're really going to have to get, give me a, a real kick-ass movie to make me buy that. Well, here's the thought. You know what? I just just popped into my head. Harrison Ford, right? Going right. to be in the new Star Wars movie. Yes. For most people, the last few were not great Star Wars movies where it didn't live up to the first few. Hey, Harrison Ford, jump on board, be a central character, help us turn Star Wars back around. Maybe he's thinking, all right, now let's do it with Indiana Jones. We had a problem with the last one. Everyone had a problem with the last one. Thinking about what Sylvester Stallone did. He said, you know what? It's been a while. Let's make a new Rocky. Let's make a new Rambo. Let's fix these things. Let's put you know, better thoughts in, in people's minds. Let them remember these series for what they were and not what they've become. Maybe Harrison Ford's doing the same thing with his two signature franchises. I, yeah, and I could see that. I mean, I think that you, you can do something. I mean, I would love to see Harrison Ford be able to correct the last Indiana Jones. And, and I do think that there's being older. As much, you know, people love to look at it and you're like, oh, God, he's too old. He can't, he, how can he do an Indiana Jones? I think the Indiana Jones character being older, there, there's so many things inherently you can do with that character. And, and just, just the way he was. And just be, instead of being younger and crotchety, now he's an old crotchety man. I mean, he's always kind of been a crotchety kind of character. Now it just um, fits his age. It just, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think it could work with the right writing, but you gotta, you got to give me something substantial. And, you know, and it's funny because when you talk about recasting, and, and let's go right into it because the rumors are circling all about Star Wars, and we're hearing about you know the new Star Wars movies, and there's going to be some standalone movies. There are rumors about uh, you know a Han Solo standalone movie, Boba Fett standalone movies. Uh, recently, uh, maybe even today, we've heard that there might be Obi Wan standalone movies. So obviously, Han Solo is going to be recast at some point because uh, they're going to go younger Han Solo. Right. So, I mean, and that's going to be tough, but they're going to do it. So you can recast these roles. You just got to gotta make sure to kick ass with it. As far as the next Star Wars movie, and especially kicking ass, a lot of the stuff I'm hearing now, again, Rumorville, no. but with a lot of the criticism and the two people in this studio right now talking Star Wars did not hate on chapters one, two, and three, episodes no. one, two, and three. We didn't hate on those. If you did, call us, 347 If you did hate those, we didn't hate on those. We we liked them. I, I understand some of the criticism. I just thought the, uh, the, the the venom that was thrown at those movies was, was kind of unfair. Um, that being said, one of the major criticisms that I heard of those movies is the CGI. And too much CGI. And oh my God, the CGI. And blah, blah, blah with the CGI. A lot of the rumors we're hearing right now are regarding sets. Yes. And the sets we're seeing out there, and it seems like, I'm not saying there's not going to be CGI in this, but it looks like they're kind of going in the direction of giving us some more actual objects and sets in this next coming movie. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we have the drones flying over the sets and catching sight of uh, the Millennium Falcon and an X-Wing on a set near some grassy area. Now they're saying, oh, it's a grassy planet. And this actually came right on the heels of some companies saying, we just supplied turf to the Star Wars movie. And everyone said, what? 
grass? What is this about? And all of a sudden, there's photos of these, these ships near grass. Someone, I wish I could remember who, someone visited the set after rumors circulated and said, yes, I did see the set of an icy planet. Hawk, who knows? But and I, I believe honestly, I believe that was Roger Moore. It was Roger Moore. Yes, I'm yes. almost positive because uh, they're filming in England, and somehow James Bond himself uh, got himself a, a pass on there. And as uh, everyone who's a visitor supposedly is sworn to secrecy, uh, Roger Moore could give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> That will the movie start on a desert planet? There are the rumors, which we'll get to in a moment, about the actual plot. But there are rumors that it starts on a desert planet. Tatooine, who knows? And then the rumor, and I love this one. And let me just throw this out at you. Um, they've talked about the fact that this may, the movie may be about a search for Luke Skywalker in some way or another. And the first thing that was, was told as rumor was... Han Solo, all the rest of the characters have not seen Luke in 30 years. Not since the end of Return of the Jedi. And some people find, fall into their planet, a severed hand clutching a lightsaber and they immediately decide they have to find out who this belongs to and return it to its rightful owner and end up finding uh, Han and Chewie and then they help find Luke. That was one thing. But then there was an updated rumor, which I really like because I hate the fact that I know that the old Star Wars, outside of the movies and Clone Wars, canon is shot. And I said, if they're going to do that and they're going to really rewrite history, it better be damn good. I like this a little better. Another rumor, Luke began a new Jedi Order. He started it up again. He becomes very, very powerful. Uh, You know, really, like, Emperor Powerful. Then there's a potential resurgence somehow of the Emperor. And after spending time rebuilding the Order, spending time with his, you know, his old chums and maybe getting married as in the old canon, who knows, ex- exiling himself to Dagobah. So there's another set for you, another planet, which would be cool. And spending 10 years there to avoid detection, just as Yoda had done before. So a, a bunch of rumors circulating, and that's not all, but uh, anything different you've heard your take on any of that stuff i mean it's all i mean look it's star wars man and i'm just excited uh, i'm excited i mean it, it, it's you know the other day it was funny i was i was walking in the mall and uh you know via the, the clone wars i saw a it, this kid couldn't have been much more than four years old give or take and and he had a, a yoda t-shirt on uh in the style of the clone wars and it just you know, it, it's just a cool kind of thing that, like, look, our generation, we're, we're, we're better than every other generation. And that, that just goes without saying that Gen X, you know, human evolution peaked with us. And, and that, that, you know, it's kind of one of those things that, that, you know, it's exciting, though, to be part of that because generations kind of prior to us, you know, they know Star Wars, but they didn't grow up with it. Um, it's it's kind of neat being like 40 something and seeing children with, with star Wars shirts on and it's relevant and it's still relevant. And it's, it's having a, a resurgence uh, right now. And, you know, all the rumors are just exciting. Just knowing that a little over a year from now, we're going to get a new star Wars movie and a, a new, opening uh, to, to the Star Wars universe and a whole new generation is going to be into it. And, and 
I, I'm just so excited. Like anything I hear, it's it's it's. I'm almost like just a a, a dog with like you know peanut butter. Where, you know, it's just like, any rumors like, oh, yeah, that sounds good. Oh, wait, no. Oh, a severed hand? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, Dagobah. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it's just, I'm just excited by everything. I mean, even like, when you said the severed hand, I had this image in my, in my head of just the movie opening with the lightsaber fight from Empire Strikes Back. And, you know, he gets his hand cut off. And instead of continuing with the scene the way it did in the movie... They follow the hand, and then you see it like kind of get jettisoned out of Cloud City and just fade off. And then they they go right into the movie, and then later on you hear about the the severed hand. I mean, there's so many things right. floating around in my head. Oh, I've got it pictured. Now. I I hear the drums, the fox music, the the music, the crawl. Yeah, the crawl. And then the pan down, and instead of seeing a ship, that you pan down to the fight at the end of Empire. I mean, it, it all gives me chills. The, the, yeah, exactly. I mean, everything. And, and you know, one thing that's not rumor, John Williams doing the score, which is just... Score! <laughs> it's not Star Wars without John Williams. Thank God he's back. I'm so excited. I mean, you know, all the rumors, you know, they're, they're cool. They're, they're going to be fun. I mean, especially on this show. I mean, we're going to speculate till the cows come on. Anytime there's a rumor that comes out... One of the rumors, I mean, before the show we were talking about, one of the rumors is, is some dude, like, you know, that there's a Hoth rumor right. uh, circulating. And I think, uh, you know, that, that's been uh, bantied about, uh, you know, James, I was going to say James Bond, Roger Moore visiting the set. We've heard the rumors that uh, Kevin Smith uh, visited the set and came out in near tears right. that he was so excited about it. Um, but as far as Icy Planet, there is a rumor that someone has been uh, – Kind of hanging out or, or sleeping in an ad at right. for quite some time. This uh, Daisy Ridley, I believe, is the actress's name, living in an abandoned ad at. Um, hey, there was something about a black stealth X-wing gave me chills. Uh, Max von Sydow name dropping when potentially he gets news of this severed hand lightsaber thing and perks up being kind of an old, old broken down guy, but perks up when he sees that. And, starts talking about the old days. So, you know, connecting what's happening now to what happened in the original trilogy, new stuff, hopefully great new stories to tell, uh, tying everything together in the right way, I can't wait. No matter what comes out, you're right. I just lap it all up because it is, it's Star Wars. That's all you got to say. It, to someone like me, to someone like Ken, it's Star Wars and uh, we'll, we'll go nuts. It's funny, man, because I have like this, the weird thing is with the ad ad thing, I have this image in my head of just a crazy homeless guy. Like, it's like, I'm, you know, like some crazy guy on the streets of New York, you know, just wandering around. And like, he turns a corner and, like, an ad ad. Like, grabs a cardboard box and, uh, you know, a, a, a couple of newspapers to cover himself and just, like, climbs into the ad ad. It's like, that eh, seems like a good place to sleep. Gets out, walks around during the day going, pa pow, pa pow. <laughs> I don't know if that's the direction they're going, though. <laughs> Probably not, although we would go and see that movie as long yeah. as Star Wars is put on it. So, listen, so much Star Wars, so much great stuff going on. It brings me back to something you teased at the beginning of the show, because when we talked last show about the best... Star Wars! Exactly. That's where we both went. The best movies of all time. Star Wars! 
best trilogy of all time. Stars! Oh, I made you say it. You did. <laughs> you got me. But we, you know, it popped up again and again. Best action film, best sci-fi film. We could not get past the Star Wars stuff. And uh, we're a little Star Wars obsessed. Here. We are. We really love it. I mean, I'm not the biggest fanboy of a lot of other stuff that I appreciate. But when it comes to Star Wars, oh, man, I can't get enough. I'm going to bring us back, if it's okay with you. If we're, no, without question. We're, we're done with the let's, Star Wars rumors right now. Yeah, why not? You know, Let's go back to... we uh, got we got a year to talk about the Star Wars yeah, rumors. I, it's, oh, let's, let's hit your subcategories. Why do we have you, to you, wait another year? All right. It's not fair. Best of the best, our last show. And we decided, let's talk about movies again. You know, we'll maybe in future shows revisit some of our other categories. But, Ken, let me ask you this. Before I get into some genres, this one... Sounded like a lot of fun. Best movie with a twist ending. And I was, you know, we we're discussing that. I mean, that that's a that's a toughie because you gotta, you know, think about you know what you consider a twist ending. What what's a, a you know a real twist? Um, you know, it's funny. Uh, you know, I guess we should put it out there. Spoiler, Spoiler alert! alert if, if any of these movies since we're talking twist endings, um, if you haven't seen it, well, tough. Um, but, you know, Sixth Sense definitely jumps to, to mind. Uh, you know, that was a twist. Although, I figured that out uh, about midway through. So, I can't rank that as, as one of my tops. I spoiled it for people sitting around me. Because uh-huh. the, 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 the girl I was there, at the, we're sitting there watching the movie. And I was like, oh, he's really dead. She's like, what? Bruce Willis. He's dead. You should keep things like that to yourself. I should have. I realized. I was just so excited I figured it out. That's funny. So I, just, I didn't notice, but I could just imagine, like, the people sitting within, like, a three or four-person radius around me. Like, oh, he's probably wrong. Um, but the one movie that I go back to that really kind of uh, shocked me and, uh, you know, kind of blew me away was uh, Jacob's Ladder. And unfortunately, uh, it's funny because before the show, we were talking about this, and uh, Todd had not seen it, so uh, I, I, I guess I probably ruined the end for him. Uh, but uh, we, uh, it, it was a, it was a really odd movie um, where uh, you know, uh, oh Jesus, I'm brain farting on the actor's name. Um, oh God, Susan Sarandon, married to Susan Sarandon. Tim uh, Robbins. Meet. Thank you, Tim Robbins. Uh, plays this Vietnam vet that is. Uh, you know, kind of fighting uh, that he's he's had some adverse effects to uh, chemicals in Vietnam, and and uh, he's he's meeting up with former veterans, and all sorts of like weird stuff happened to him. And you kind of, as you're watching the movie, you're kind of figuring like the weird stuff is him kind of tripping out or something because of the adverse reaction to stuff that happened to him in Vietnam, and it, it's all like it's a really weird movie. And then in the end. You realize that everything that's been occurring in the movie happened within the, the, the couple of minutes before he died. That he that the movie ends where he's laying on the battlefield in Vietnam and and the the incident that he talks about in the movie, um, he actually died in the in that, that battle and wow. he's just laying there on the battlefield and the final scene is him actually dying. So you realize that the, the entire 90 minutes to, to 120 minutes you sat through, that he was dying then, and that was what was going on in his head. Uh, I've got Memento, Ken. I love that movie, one of my favorites. And you've got two stories converging. You're going chronologically forward in time, interspliced with scenes that are chronologically going backward in time. 
converging on this one moment, and at the end, the the main character, Guy Pierce, basically says things to himself about uh, the other guy. Uh, what's his name? Joey Pants. Uh, Joey Pantoliano. Hey, you know what? You're a dick. I'm gonna tattoo your license plate into my arm and start going after you because I can't remember what the hell happened yesterday. I don't remember what I ate for breakfast. I'm going to tattoo this on my arm and suddenly you're my target. Holy cow. So that's what we were seeing the whole backwards part of the movie. That was a great twist ending in my mind. Um, and, and like you said, Shyamalan had a couple of great ones there in the beginning. How about, Ken, best teen movie of all time? And I'll, I'll say it right now, The Breakfast Club, rewatchable yeah. all the time, with a shout-out for the, uh, the spoof. Not another teen movie was amazing for what it was. I don't know. Did you see that one? I did. It was, it was a good parody. I thought it was a great. It started the, the wave of terrible parodies, but this <laughs> one really worked well for those '90s movies. But The Breakfast Club, by far, and we saw a lot of teen movies between us and the '80s. But I don't think anything beats The Breakfast Club. Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough. I mean, there's so many teen movies out there, and there's certain. I mean, I've I've warned you, and I'll put the warning out again. You know, there's there's uh, The Outsiders that people remember with affection. Remember it with affection. Do not watch that movie again. It's right. awful. It is a terrible movie. Um, great as a teenager, uh, you, you know, you think it, it profoundly changed your life. It is a really bad movie, so don't revisit it. Live with the memories. Um, Breakfast Club just stands up. It, it just really... Yeah. And, and I, you know, for me, uh, and I probably told the story, but uh, hernia surgery a few years ago, luckily on Stars. They had uh, 80s marathon movies week, and uh, so I got to see a ton of teen movies over the course of that week, and uh, a lot of them, most of them, uh, don't hold up. I mean, even movies, uh, you know, 16 Candles, I still think is, is entertaining to me. It really didn't hold up, though. Um, Breakfast Club just does. It yeah. just, it, it, it's such a phenomenal movie. Um you you could watch it today, and really, aside from the music, it, it really still holds up. It's just it, it's a great all around movie. So yeah, it, it's tough to debate that being the best team movie ever. Let me throw a couple of quickies at you, and then I'll bring us full circle on our show. Nice. All right, horror movie, Nightmare on Elm Street. Your take? You know, it's funny, Nightmare on Elm Street. I, I will. Nightmare on Elm Street would probably be up there, although the first Friday the 13th, you know, when Mom was doing the killing, which people forget, uh, was, a, was a real good movie. I will give an honorable mention, and I'd have to really sit and really analyze these movies. The first screen. Uh, best horror comedy. I guess they call it, you have it as a horror comedy? I do. See, I, I, I still would list that as a horror movie, and I'll be honest, the one thing that, that is one of the few movies, and we talk about twist ending, twist beginning. Yeah. The trailers for that movie had Drew Barrymore as a star, as top billing in the trailer. I love when they do and, that. And when that movie opened up, you're, you're sitting there like, all right, Drew Barrymore's going to get out of this. I mean, she's a star of the movie. She's going to get out of it. When they kill her in that first scene, it sets the whole movie on its ear. I thought the first scream was, was great. But if I'm going to go historical, I, I may just have to go with the first Friday the 13th. You know, that Drew Barrymore thing is the, the exception to my rule that – Tell me what the movie's really about before I go, but that killing off someone who is in the in the trailers and seems prominent, that, that's the exception. I love that. How about, and this is a tough one for us, potentially best romantic comedy? Again, you know, it's tough, but it's, I, I love a high fidelity. 
I think High Fidelity is one of those few romantic comedies that guys and gals can see it, and they, it's it's kind of a guy movie. But if I'm gonna like rank it, it's really tough for me to to bet against when Harry met Sally. Very good one. I've got, and this is one of the few movies I've rewatched in the last few years. I love Midnight in Paris. You know, Woody Allen, seen almost everything he's done, but this was just different, above and beyond, and uh, had time travel element, element, which always gets me, and a terrific romantic comedy in my book. Here's the full circle. Best sports movie, Ken. Wow. Best sports movie. You know, if you're going to go sports... And I'll throw it out. Sports movie, sports comedy, before we wrap it up. So two categories? Two categories. I've got everything comedy. Whatever wow. it is, and then the All right. comedy. Uh, sports movie, I, it's going to be tough to argue versus Rocky. Right. I, I would go with Rocky, probably. Um uh, on the spot, so if I if I analyze it further, but I would go Rocky. That's my gut. Yep. Sports comedy. I'm going with the original Bad News Bears. Ooh. And you know I I love baseball. I love baseball movies. Sports comedy, Major League. Uh, good flick. Good flick. Was great. And again, my baseball bias, The Natural, as my favorite sports movie. Uplifting, dramatic, great acting, and uh, you know, incom- incomparable to me. There are some other great. Rocky is terrific, and there are some great football movies and so on. To me, it's it's the natural. It's I mean, and baseball to me is one of those you know, it's sport that that, that translates better on on film than, yeah. than than other sports. So it's a, it's good stuff, good stuff. But it's you know, it's funny because my favorite Rocky is actually Rocky too. But if I'm being unbiased, uh, I know I know critics and everything will go with Rocky. So. Uh, Good stuff, though. We hit some of the best. We were all over the place th- this week. Good. Thanks for the callers tonight, but uh, got about 30 seconds left. Good time tonight. Absolutely. When is it not a good time? That's a good and point. When we're all over the place, it's just as great as one of the shows where we're all about one thing. Hey, come on. We put on a good show. Tell your friends. Tell your families. Tell the people you don't like. Tune in to Pop Life. You got it, because we hit everything. I mean, you watch TV, you had extra, extra. They only talk about Hollywood, BS, and Sports Center, and they only talk about sports. We hit everything here. Tune in next month. For Todd, I am Ken. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. We'll see you next month. Take care, everybody.